Good morning, everybody. Okay, good morning. Uh, can we all uh, turn to our neighbors and say good morning, you know, and uh, give them a nice smile? You know, um, I'm sure that everybody uh, is excited to see each, uh, everyone this morning. You know, I really like uh, my, our experience being here at UECP. Uh, I remember coming here like uh, two weeks ago, and now we're about to go home this coming Friday. But thank you so much, UECP, for hosting us. Uh, I really want to uh, show our love for you. So if uh, you want to come to Palawan, uh, we would be so happy to host you. Uh, and uh, please come to, you, uh, to Palawan, right? So make sure that you add me in Facebook, message me privately, and I'll drive you from the airport to wherever you want to go. But it's surely a wonderful experience being here at UECP. We're hoping that uh, we'll be able to come back again here. Of course, my dear friend, Pastor Eman, uh, who is friends to many of you, also wants to share his uh, you know, um, love for all of you. He misses uh, a lot of you, Sister Christine as well, uh, and I heard that this coming December they will be coming here uh, to uh, Manila and to be with you. And I hope uh, that you will also uh, show with him uh, and his family the love that you have shown me and my family as well. Let me greet you once again. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Good morning, UECP. And once more, it is an honor and a privilege to be with you breathing together with you and honoring God together with you and learning God's Word together with you this 19th day of the year 2022. And this time around, uh, it's really, you know, I really mean this in a different way. When I say breathing together with you, it's not just because of the pandemic, but because a few days ago, I, I felt like God was already calling me back home. <laughs> I had... Um, you know, I was diagnosed to have uh, gallstones, and I had hyperacidity and hypertension, and I thought that I was going to die last Tuesday, a uh, Thursday. And, uh, you know, never has it been very uh, real in my life when the Apostle Paul said, uh, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And so last Thursday, I thought, you know, the lights were already flashing before my eyes, and as if God was already calling me back home. But it was actually the doctor's lights, you know, are you still alive? Are you still alive? And um, thankfully, I'm able to be with you this morning. So I, on behalf of my family uh, who are here today and our church family in the United Evangelical Church of Palawan, we would like to extend our warmest greetings and love to all of you today. And I want to say that I love you with the amazing love of Jesus. Now, last week, we talked about how asking the right questions can lead to the right answers. If you remember, we asked a lot of questions last week. Now, we said that if we ask the right questions, it could lead us to the right answers and to the doors of opportunities to show and demonstrate the love of Jesus to others around us. And so we, what we need to do is to write, ask the right questions. And we have looked into the lives of our brothers and sisters in the first century, if you remember that. We looked in the book of Acts. And not only that, but in the years when the great pandemics plagued the world and how Christians responded in faith and in love in the face of overwhelming fear and fatigue. And we learned that during the most difficult, the most demanding, and the most dangerous times in history, Christians did not cower in fear, nor was conquered by fatigue, but the church was all the more challenged in faith to love as Jesus loved. They were not afraid. They were not 
tired. Instead, they were challenged all the more in faith to respond the way Jesus would respond to people. Compassionately, practically, and sacrificially. And so we learned that this is also what we ought to do right here and right now in the 21st century. To love as Jesus loved. Will you say that to your seatmates? To love as Jesus loved. That's what Jesus expects of us. Not just to love. It's easy to love. But to love as Jesus loved, that is the high call that Christ has for us. And I believe that if we are able to love as Jesus loved, people will know Jesus through us when we love compassionately, practically, and sacrificially. That is why I left you with a challenge to let your faith be contagious, your hope be infectious, and your love be pandemic. You know, we had a pandemic of the COVID-19. We have the pandemic of fear, a pandemic of fatigue. But I hope and pray that if there's another pandemic that will spread all around the world, that would be the pandemic of love, the love of Jesus through us. Yesterday, we were discussing about the many different pandemics that happened and how Christians were in the forefront in the battle of all of those pandemics. And this is my prayer, that years from now, when people look back at 2019, 2020, and 2021, and 22, that when Christians in the future look back to our time right now, they would say, the Christians during the pandemic of COVID-19, they were not cowered by fear. They were not conquered by fatigue. Instead, the Christians during this time responded in faith. And that's how we would all be remembered. Today, what we will be doing is we will look at how God opens doors of opportunities and how He prepares us, His people, to open the doors when the opportunity arises. So that's what we're going to look. So let's turn to the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verses 12 to 14. We'll all be reading three verses. Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 14. If you have your Bibles, open it with me. Put a marker on that. And this is what we will read. Okay? Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 14. It says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. May the Lord add blessing to the reading of His Word. Now, in this passage, the Apostle Paul tells the believers in Philippi that what seemed to be a setback was actually God's way of bringing the gospel to those who need to hear it. Let me say that again. The Apostle Paul tells the believers in Philippi that what seemed to their eyes, what seemed to be a setback, was actually God's way of bringing the gospel to those who need to hear it. Now, the palace guards and those in the palace were difficult to reach with the gospel. They were duty-bound to follow the emperor and the Roman law, and there was little to no time to do anything else in their fulfillment of their duties. Aside from that, the Romans did not 
did not associate or fraternize with people whom they have dominion over. And so how would they hear the gospel? If these Roman soldiers and those who are in the palace are so busy for them to have time to hear the gospel, and they don't associate with people whom they have dominion over, how would they hear the gospel from people like Paul? You know, what's God's answer? Bring Paul to prison. Bring Paul to prison. How could the prison guards, how could the Roman soldiers hear the gospel? The only way, at least in God's eyes, is to bring Paul himself to prison. Now, this seemed to be a setback, at least in the eyes of the believers. Try to imagine this. If Pastor Lazarus was sent to jail, or Pastor Willie is uh, suddenly, you know, he got a text message, let's pray for Reverend Willie. He's in jail. Can you imagine that? The Apostle Paul being in jail. Now, the believers were probably asking themselves, how could Paul, our leader, now share the gospel? How can Paul disciple the believers? How could he do ministry? How could he train them to fulfill the Great Commission? To many, it seemed like a setback. If Paul, who is our leader in the church, is in prison for standing up for Christ, what will happen to us now? The Philippians probably thought, this was a major setback, but for God, it is a setup. It was not a setback for God, but it was a setup. The Lord was setting Paul up so that he could share the gospel to those who were deemed unreached in his time. In the grand scheme of things, God was setting Paul up to share the gospel to the palace guards and to those people in the palace so they could know about Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, his teachings, and his salvation. The gospel was advanced. This is how Paul sees everything. For the believers, Paul was in jail. The gospel is now uh, un unable to be brought to other people. But no, in the eyes of God and in the eyes of Paul, the gospel was actually advanced more. What they previously thought was a setback was actually a setup in God's plan. Not only that, Paul explained that his imprisonment actually encouraged the believers to become more confident in the Lord, not afraid. They saw that the Apostle Paul was in prison, but instead of being afraid, they were actually become emboldened. They became more confident and dared all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. If one of your pastors or your church elders or leaders were imprisoned because of their faith in Christ, would you still stand on your faith or would you pretend not to being a Christian? I'm not a part of UECP. I'm not part of the church. You see, the believers were emboldened. They became even more courageous. They proclaimed the message all the more, and this time, no more fear, no more worries, and no more excuses. They were not cowered by fear, nor fatigue, but challenged by faith to share Jesus to others. Church, God works in ways that we may not always understand. He works in ways that we may not comprehend, but His ways are always the best. And he wants us to fully trust him and to fully obey him no matter what.
It has been said, man's disappointments are God's appointments. Man's disappointments are God's appointments. What may seem to be a setback is God's setup. And His ways may break you, but He will also mend you. And He will prepare you to do the great and mighty things that He has in store for you. So no matter what setback we may be in, remember that in the grand scheme of things, God is setting you up for the things that He wants you to do. If you remember, all things work together for the good of those who love Jesus. Paul, the Apostle Paul, experienced that. The disciples also experienced that. Those who they were discipling experienced that as well. So Paul, his disciples, and their disciples experienced what God was doing. And they all saw God's open doors. The setbacks were not hindrances, but they were setups of God. A saying goes like this, in every tragedy, there is an opportunity. In every tragedy, there is an opportunity. God opens doors in every tragedy in life. I want to be sharing right now my experience as a missionary and as a pastor in South Korea for almost 10 years. When I was in South Korea, I served together with a Korean church that served migrant workers and the expats. A little bit of a history of South Korea. In 1950s, South Korea was very poor and was struggling in almost all aspects of life as they were still reeling from the effects of the World War II and the Korean War. If you know a little bit about history, you probably have heard about this. Now, this was a tragedy. Every time there's a war, it's always a tragedy, a suffering that no one wants, and yet the Koreans found themselves here. The nation was divided into North and South Korea. There was no economy to support the people, and everything was in chaos. They were what we would call as hopeless. But the truth is, they were not hopeless. Why? Because the Koreans had God. God was opening a door. Now, I'm going to skip a little bit of the history. From 1950s okay, to 1988, many Koreans believe that as they have responded in faith to their crisis, God brought them out of it and slowly brought the nation back to its feet. Many Koreans became Christians during this time as they were instrumental in giving hope to a shattered nation. So the Christians in Korea were giving hope were sharing Jesus to those people who felt hopeless. So the Christians were in the forefront of the tragedy that they were experiencing. God was opening a door. Now, in 1988, what happened? 38 years after, South Korea was already able to host its very first Summer Olympics. In less than 38 years, God opened a door. How could they, you know, up from the ashes of poverty and war, rise after 38 years. It was only because of God. And now, in 2020, South Korea is already the fourth largest economy in Asia. In around 70 years, Korea is among the 38 member OECD countries in the world. And no wonder many people around the world come to South Korea to find work and see their dreams come true as God was opening a door. 
To many of us, we are familiar with this if you ever watched Korean dramas or if you ever followed a Korean you know, K-pop group uh, or, we, or perhaps you've been you know, uh, invited by your friend to visit Korea. You know what Korea is right now. And God was very instrumental in where Korea is right now. No wonder many people from all around the world come to South Korea. There was a time when it was just the American dream. You know, everybody in the world wanted to uh, pursue the American dream. But as this nation started to grow, it attracted many people from places like Indonesia, Syria, Iran, Pakistan, and Bangladesh. These are Muslim countries. Thailand, Vietnam, Mongolia, Cambodia, Myanmar, Sri Lanka, these are Buddhist countries. Hindu countries like India and Nepal have workers or people coming from this nation coming to South Korea to pursue what they call the Korean dream. China, Russia, Uzbekistan, countries that we would probably consider as unreligious countries. And of course, people from the Philippines, right? We have a lot of Filipinos living in South Korea, around 40 to 60,000. Some of them are workers, some of them are migrant uh, um, spouses, students, and professionals. And there are, also, of course, in all of this country, there are a lot of tribal and animistic beliefs among these nations. Now, if you're familiar with Thumb, if you, do you remember Thumb, the Thumb nations? The Thumb nations are the tribal nations, the Hindu nations, the unreligious nations, Muslim and Buddhist nations. This is how God is able to bring all of these people to Christ. How did this happen? Well, God opened a door in South Korea. The economic opportunities in South Korea have drawn people from these nations seeking better opportunities in life. This is what they call the Korean dream. Some impoverished nations will send migrant workers to work in manufacturing industries and production businesses for Korean multinational companies. And so year after year, more migrant workers are coming to South Korea. But there was a problem. Some Koreans became worried that the immigrants were taking jobs away from them. Some others felt that the foreigners were changing the way Koreans live and thought that the influx of foreign nationals was affecting their culture. People like me, a foreigner married to a Korean, you know, my wife is over here. Uh, could you please raise your hand? and wave like a Korean beauty queen, all right, okay? Uh, sometimes when we introduce our kids, we would say our ki children, you know, they're half Korean and half amazing. Yeah, that's called humility, all right? Um, but people like me, foreigners married to a Korean, was starting to become a hot topic for discussion in South Korea because many uh, foreigners are intermarrying uh, Koreans, and this was not a welcome uh, thing for most uh, South Koreans because they felt like that their culture was being mixed with other cultures. Many didn't like what was happening. They frowned upon this kind of cultural change. And many Koreans started to ask, what are we going to do? Are we going to welcome these foreigners or are we going to make them go back home? You know what? The Korean church had a different take on this. Instead of saying, go back home, this is what they, how they responded. Let us welcome the foreigners and share Jesus to them. Let us welcome the foreigners and share Jesus to them. They said, God was opening a door. 
the Korean church was not threatened by the cultural shift that was about to happen. Instead of being threatened and worried by it, they embraced it. They realized that this was God's door of opportunity. For many years, Korean churches have been sending missionaries all over the world. And perhaps some of you already know that because we have a lot of Korean missionaries here in the Philippines as well. In the late 1980s, they have been going to places where they felt God was calling them to go. But the missionary endeavor was not as smooth as they wanted it to be. Language, cultural, and religious barriers were tough hurdles to overcome. If a Korean missionary goes to other countries, the language is the first problem. How could they communicate? Not everybody's good in English. Not, they have to study the, the mother tongue of the country that they go to. And then aside from that, the cultural barrier and then the religious barriers. Some countries do not even allow religious proselytizing or missionary work. Some Korean missionary works suffered from a misunderstanding of the culture, the language, and the desire to get things done right away. There were others that succeeded, but it took a long time and a lot of resources. The usual missionary work starts by this, calling a missionary, training them, equipping them, sending them, and providing for them. It took lots of time and lots of financial resources. And it was a hit and miss, actually, when they were in the actual mission field. Not everybody succeeds. Some missionaries even got into trouble with the country's governments and the people. So many missionaries grew tired and even gave up. But some stayed the course, but they were getting tired as well. And so the Korean church had to pray and ask God to open new doors. We've been sending missionaries. Not everything is effective. Not everybody is uh, able to succeed. Lord, help us. And so... They prayed for a new strategy, a new way of seeing things so that they could effectively fulfill the Great Commission. This is what they saw. As people from all over the world started to pour into South Korea, the churches saw the great opportunity to fulfill the Great Commission in their own backyard. So this is not a case of go into all the worlds, but rather welcome everybody from all the world and share Jesus to them in their own backyard. This is what we call a reverse diaspora. If you heard of the word diaspora, it's like going to all the places, but this time welcoming everybody from different places. It was no longer just go and make disciples of all nations. It was already a case of welcome them and make disciples of all nations. Why? Because, this, because the nations are already in their backyard. They realize that we have been sending Koreans all over the world, but we can actually minister to them right here in our own place. This was a reverse diaspora. This was a door of opportunity for the Christians to reach the people in the comforts of their very own home. Imagine sending a missionary to a Hindu populated nation or sharing the gospel to a Buddhist majority country. Or what about testifying about Christ in the Middle East or even a Muslim-majority Southeast Asian nation? Or start a church in a secular communist nation? What are the possibilities or chances that we will be able to share Jesus to them? Now, don't get me wrong. 
I'm not saying it's not impossible that it's impossible. After all, we are commanded to go. So we are to go. Some people will go. And Jesus said that he will be with us till the very end of the age. He also promised that the Holy Spirit, the power for us to be witnesses from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so I believe that we can really go to these places and share Jesus. But when the welcome is also an open door, what are you going to do about it? Well, you open that door of opportunity. We don't just send people now, but we welcome people who are coming. And a lot of the Korean churches embrace the vision of this new open door to welcome people from all over the world and take care of them in their own home. Now, the church that I was a part of had a membership of around 40,000 people. It had a mission center that serves around 2,000 people from 21 different nations all around the world. I was the Filipino community pastor, and I also served the English-speaking communities. What we did is embraced a three-aspect um, uh, three kind of missions. We embraced a missional, motherly, and mosaic kind of ministry. Missional, motherly, and mosaic kind of ministry to reach the unreached for Jesus. Let me talk about missional. Being missional includes embracing the posture, the thinking, the behaviors, the practices of a missionary in order to reach others with the message of the gospel. This means we live and breathe the Great Commission, seeking all those to share the truth of Jesus. We deem each and every Christian as a missionary. The pastors are not the only ones to share the gospel. The missionaries are not the only ones to share the gospel. Every believer and every follower should be a missionary for Jesus. And so all of the 40,000 members of that church is a missionary. The church is not just a place where we learn God's word and then go home. The church is where we get trained so that when we go out of this place, we are all missions-minded and missionaries for Jesus. Now, these are some of the, the pictures that we have of the ministries that we, uh, that we held there. Every community would have their own worship services, but four times a year, we would have a communal worship where all the 21 different nations will gather together, worship the Lord, you know, uh, in, in a, a place where we could honor Jesus Christ. The next picture, please. Okay, so some of the people from Myanmar, from Thailand, from Vietnam, people who are from the Southeast Asia, they don't see each other as, you know, people from other nations. They see each other as brothers and sisters for Christ. Another picture is this. Okay, so this is our, some of our uh, all nations. By the way, the name of the church that I was a part of is called Unri, which literally means all nations. Another picture, please. If you see, this is some of uh, uh, the pictures that I was together with, and I often preached um, in all of these services. One brother in particular, the one that's in the uh, left side corner, he's a brother from Syria. Have you ever been to Syria? Do you want to go to Syria? Nobody, like, you know, if you want to go somewhere else, you want to go to Europe, America, you know, maybe South Korea for a tour, but nobody thinks about Syria. And so only the really missions-minded will probably even think of going to Syria. You know, I like the song that we sang earlier, To the Ends of the Earth. In fact, I heard that song many times. It really encouraged me to go out 
and you know, reach people to the ends of the earth. But I never had a chance to even go to the places I really want to. I would always tell my friends, I'm a well-traveled person. You know, I've been to, I've traveled out of the Philippines many times. In 1992, I went to South Korea. In 2006, when I proposed to my wife, I went to South Korea. In 2007, we went to, only in South Korea, <laughs> but still well-traveled. But I've never been to any other place in the world except South Korea. Little did I know that even in South Korea, I would meet brothers and sisters from all around the world. This Syrian brother, after the, 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 our uh, conference, came to me and said, Pastor Levy, thank you so much for the message that you shared. You know, right now, my wife and my children are in Syria. And during this time, there was this war in Syria. They could not go back to, to Syria because uh, the, the country was in, in uh, locked because of war. And the, the families cannot even go out. And so he was a worried father working in a factory in South Korea, thinking about his family back in Syria. And he said, I'm afraid for my family. I don't know if I will ever get to see them again. But because you said that we have to rejoice always and, and trust everything to God in prayer and petition, and the peace of God will uh, guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, you know what he said? He said, even if I know my family is in danger, I have peace because God is the one who holds my family. You know, that blew my mind. I never ever thought that I would be able to minister to somebody from the Middle East, from Syria, and give comfort and assurance to a brother I didn't even imagine that I would even meet. But this is a, an opportunity that God has afforded. South Korea attracted many people from around the world. I've never been to Syria, but you know what? He said, if I ever have a chance to go back to my country, I will share Jesus to them. I've never been to Syria, and I don't know if I will ever be able to go there. But if that brother gets back home, I know that we already have a witness for Jesus in that place. Amen? The next thing is what we call motherly. Another aspect of this ministry is being motherly. Being motherly means providing, caring, assisting those who need help while they were in our care. Now, I know that this is Father's Day, and fathers also do this, but, you know, this is more like a motherly kind of care. This meant providing medical, physical, legal, social, emotional, and spiritual care for the migrant workers and foreigners who are in South Korea for a time, seeking to share the love of Jesus. So we're not just seeking to share the truth about Jesus, we're also seeking to share the love of Jesus. Sometimes we want to share Jesus, but we don't show it. And so this is what we do. We, we provide medical care. All of the doctors in our church would volunteer every week. We have so many doctors, 40,000 members. A lot of doctors, every Sunday, they take turns to give free medical treatment for all of the foreigners who are there. They even set up a clinic just so that they could minister to those who are sick. The, there were also a lot of dentists. And so you would see a lot of people lining up you know, from, uh, from different nations just to get free dental service. Uh, Rachel, um, because she's better in Korean than me, uh, she would help uh, some of our uh, Filipino brothers who got into trouble legally in South Korea. We had a brother who had trouble with the law. He, got to, he went to jail, 
and uh, somebody has to translate for him. And so we had to ask my wife and myself, you know, we had to skip work so that we could be with this brother. But this is the kind of ministry that we provided for those people. We provided not just medical care, physical care, but legal as well. Uh, most of our OFWs are really lonely, you know, being in other places. And so being a part of a community, a church, where they could feel like this is family is a very big thing. Many people who go to churches, they don't really go to church because they believe Jesus right away. But they go to church because they can experience family. And if there's any group of people who could show the kind of family love that people need, it's this family. You know, the church is the best representation of Jesus' love's love to others. If we can only show that love to people who are coming from different places, then we would have shown them what it really means to be a Christian. And so this is what motherly care. Now, I don't know if you can see the, the picture down at, uh, at the corner. Um, they are people from Thailand. One time I preached about the love of Christ, and I said, you know, God loves you no matter who you are. You are accepted by Jesus, and he's, he loves you so much that he will change you to become a better person. You know, the following morning, I was really excited because many people were blessed by that message. But this too came to me. We were eating breakfast with my wife. And she said, am I pretty? And so I was like, how would I answer that? Right beside my wife, right? Like, and so I said, yeah. <laughs> um, it turns out there's these two uh, uh, people, they're uh, what they call uh, lady boys. They're from Thailand. You know, and uh, I was like really shocked, you know, and they shook my hand, like big hands, <laughs> uh, but very pretty faces. And he said like this, you know, I think I'm pretty because you said last night that God loves me no matter who I am. And I said, yes, God loves you. You know, he's, he, he, tears were falling down his eyes. And he said, when I go back to my country, people look down on people like me. They laugh at us as if we're not really humans. But I am so glad to hear that God loves me. This is something that probably he would not hear when he goes back to his country. But because he was in this situation, he was able to hear the gospel, and he knew that God loves him. The lady uh, who's standing up, uh, she's a pastor's wife, and I told her that, uh, you know, take care of these brothers, you know, and disciple them. I hope that before they go back to Thailand, that they will be new creation. This is an open door of opportunity. Motherly care for those people. The third value is uh, the mosaic value. Seeing the beauty of our cultural differences, because we're coming from all different places, we endeavor to bring our diversity under the unity of Christ. We celebrate cultural differences while uniting under the truth of the gospel. And so what we do is, yearly, we conduct Thanksgiving conference retreats where people can freely worship God in their own language, in their own culture, and do it together as one church. It was truly a preview of heaven seeking the worship of Jesus. 
You know, one brother from the Middle East, he said, this is the first time that I got to sing a gospel song in my own language and perform it using my own culture. Because if I do this in my own country, I will get to jail. An opportunity that God has opened for them in this place. You know, this brother came and said, you know, Pastor Levy, I really enjoyed my time here in South Korea. I hope that I would be able to worship God freely as I worship Him here. Maybe the next time that I will be able to do this is only in heaven. So I got a little sad to hear that because he knows that he's going to go back to his country. And I told him, Brother, I will pray hard for you, and I hope and pray that when you go back to your country, you will bring Jesus to your people and that you will be used by God to change your nation. I can't do that. Maybe if I go to their country, I'll go to jail myself. Maybe I'll be killed even. But they have this opportunity to go back to their places to bring Jesus to them. Now, the beauty of this is that for about three to five years, the church has a golden opportunity to evangelize, disciple, and equip the foreign brother and sister in South Korea to do the Great Commission. And after their work contracts are over, they will go back to their own countries, but they are not the same anymore. They are now believers and followers of Jesus. They came to Korea as contract workers, but when they go back to their countries, they will now become evangelists. They will now become disciples for their own people, and they will become trainers to their own people in the Great Commission. No more language barriers, no more cultural barriers, no more misunderstandings, no more confusion. Time, they have all the time. No problem with visas and no problem with resources. And they can become leaders to the church that will be planted in their nations. This is an open door that God has opened for the South Korean church. Praise the Lord, right? Amen? Now the question is, how about us? Has God opened a similar door of opportunity for us here in the Philippines? The answer is yes. The Philippines has many, um, uh, in many years, has attracted foreign students in, uh, in, in our country. In 2011 alone, there were 26,000 students from different parts of the world. 26,000. However, we saw that the number dropped significantly due to the COVID-19 pandemic. But as we see the end of this pandemic, we may soon see more foreign students coming back to the Philippines. I heard that in Davao alone, there, were, there are 6,000 foreign medical students who are studying in the Philippines. The lower cost of education and the lower cost of living attracts many people to our country. Tourism is another open door. Do you know that in Palawan alone, in, in our home turf, I hope you come. Please come. Do you know that in Palawan alone, okay, we attracted 40,000 tourists from January this year to May of this year. In the middle of the pandemic, 40,000 tourists, January to May. But I was surprised to learn that before the pandemic, it was actually 900,000 from May, January to May. So can you can just imagine the, the, the decline, right? From 900,000 for five months to 40,000, but still a lot of number. 
Imagine if UEC Palawan would embrace a missional, motherly, and mosaic approach to reaching people for Christ. In April of this year, just April of this year alone, we hosted several foreigners in our church. You know, people from uh, Holland, people from Sweden, you know. And I asked how they learned about our church. I said, how, how did you know about uh, UEC Palawan? And you know what they said? They, we searched church in Palawan in Google. And it showed your church first. <laughs> United Evangelical Church of Palawan. See? So it's good to have a name like that. Very easy. Imagine if UEC Baguio or UEC Naga or other UEC churches can be home, away from home, for those other tourists. When they go back to their countries, they will bring Jesus together with them. Not only education or tourism, but business as well. Our country attracts investors uh, from, uh, from places like China, Taiwan, Japan, and other countries. They are investing in our nation. According to statistics, there were around 1.5 million foreigners who came to the Philippines in 2020 alone. As you may know, the Pogos right, um, became a hot topic in 2020 for a lot of reasons. Many didn't like them, but can the church see this as an open door of opportunity to share Jesus to many people who come from this nation? According to the reports, there are around 118,000 to 470,000 Chinese pogo workers in the country. Now imagine that for a moment. 470,000 people evangelized, discipled, trained to do the Great Commission. When they go back to China, they will be sharing Jesus to 1.4 billion people in the planet. Probably they would come here for business. But when they go back to their country, they will be evangelists, they will become disciples, and they will become trainers of the Great Commission. That's an open door. Aren't you thrilled for that open door? You know what? This excites me. Whenever I see a person from another place, that if I would be able to only share Jesus to them, disciple them for Christ, when they go back to wherever they come from, I know that they will be the witnesses. Just like the song that was sung earlier, we will be witnesses to the world. I have never been to Syria, and I don't know if I could go, but I know somebody knew Jesus through that ministry, and there's a witness in Syria right now, in Thailand and many different parts of the world. My friends, the pandemic may look like a setback, but it may also be a setup, don't you think? It has set us up to share Jesus to those that we have previously not been able to share the gospel to. You know, before the pandemic, our church in UEC Palawan, we didn't have an online service. Now we have an online service that reaches people from from South Korea to Italy, Australia, the U.S., and many different parts of the world. I would be surprised. Sometimes we would have prayer meetings. You know, our online prayer meetings, it uh, invites people from different parts of the world. Previously, we were not able to do that, but this pandemic has allowed us to see this open door. It has set us up to trust God more. 
it has set us up to put our confidence in God more. And it has set us up to be bold and courageous to live for Jesus and to love as Jesus loved. Remember what Jesus said? A new commandment I give you. Let's say this together. Love one another as I have loved you. So you also must love one another. Why should we do that? Because by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's the only time that people will know that we are truly Jesus followers when we love people in the same way that Jesus loved people. So church, during the most difficult, the most demanding, and the most dangerous time in history, Christians did not cower in fear nor was conquered by fatigue. But the church was all the more challenged in faith to love as Jesus loved, compassionately, practically, and sacrificially. So my question for all of us, UECP and all of the UEC churches, how will we live and love the people around us? Will we live and love the way everybody else lives and loves? Or will we live and love like Jesus did? If we start loving others with the compassion of Christ, helping others practically, not just praying for them, sacrificially giving up our rights and privileges so that others may find life in Jesus, I believe that we will see all the doors of opportunities that Christ is opening for us to love and serve others for Jesus. So church, this may be the last time you will see me, so let me share this again with you. Let your faith be contagious. When people get together with you, that they will experience your faith, and their faith will be motivated as well, that they will be faithful to Jesus as well. Let your hope be infectious. Infect others, not with hopelessness, but with hope in Christ. And let your love be pandemic, that wherever you go, people will start getting lovesick, that they will love Christ and love others and make disciples of all nations. Shall we all pray? Lord, we pray that you would challenge us to respond to the message that we have heard in faith, to press on in hope, and to live in your love. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, UECP. God bless you. I hope to see you again.